So I am excited today because we're going to be starting a series that we're calling Pillar Talk. And no, I am, I am from West Virginia, but it ain't Pillar Talk, all right? It's Pillow. You pronounce Pillow, Pillow, not Pillar, all right? So uh, it's not necessarily about sex. We're going to be talking about the four pillars of a strong marriage relationship. Okay? So marriage is actually supposed to be the safest relationship on earth because it's supposed to be predictable by God's laws. But there's a lot of us that we don't know those laws. So what happens is marriage becomes very fearful, unpredictable. It becomes very pr- fragile when we don't understand the laws that are supposed to be applied to it. It's kind of like there's no rule books for marriage, right? There's not a list of rules. It's a lot of marriages are suffering because there doesn't seem to be any rules to it other than, you know, this, this idea that you, if, if you're going to stay together, that there is this fleeting emotion that you have to hang on to called in love. And that's, uh, that, that's terrifying because keeping a marriage together and strong is, could be elusive with no rules. It's like being out on the road with no rules. What if there were no traffic laws? Some people act like that. I mean, people are crazy with traffic laws, but what if there were no traffic laws? I mean, mature believers who love Jesus lose their salvation as soon as they get on on 540. <laughs> Satan possesses them right there. But what would, it, what would it be like if there were no rules, right? Everybody was just doing their best to get from A to B, just figuring it out on their own, and not, trying not to kill themselves, not kill other people, not get pulled over. I've been on mission trips to other countries, you ever driven in another country? It's terrifying. Stop signs are suggestions. Lanes are only suggestions. Uh, year, years ago, one of our pastors, Pastor Jamie, and I went on a mission trip to Italy. And um, we rented a car. And the, the local contacts that we had there, they said, well, just follow us and, and we'll go. And so, so we got in the car and, man, they, they hit the gas. Wham! They're, they're gone. They take off. And, and the speed limit... I'm telling you, was a suggestion. Because they took out, it's all in kilometers per hour, so I have no idea how fast I'm going. All I know is that police literally, I kid you not, Jamie can confirm, police cars are a blur on the way by. And I, I'm just trying to keep up with them because if I lose them, I'm lost in the middle of Italy with nobody. And we are passing police cars like they're sitting still. And this little car that we rented is like, And so I'm just, I'm just hoping and I'm praying that, that they don't pull me over. And good news is they didn't because the laws were just suggestions, evidently. They weren't actually laws. And that was an incredibly insecure place for me to be because there seemed to be laws. There was a sign that said a speed limit, but it didn't mean anything. And so there, there were stop signs, but they, were, they didn't mean anything. Personally, I like driving in the U.S. because there are specific laws that most of us obey. But, and, and the thing is, is that we understand that it's predictable. We understand how to not get in a wreck. We understand how to not get pulled over. And so there are laws of marriage that are absolute. They're predictable. They protect us. And thank God for those laws. That's what we're going to be talking about during this series. Now, I want to start out by making this series, okay? Marriage is the safest relationship on the earth when God's marriage laws are honored. 
And there are laws that God has given us for a marriage to guide them. But if we don't understand what they are, or we pretend like they're only suggestions, and we prioritize other things over those laws, then look, you're just kind of doing the best you can. And there are no speed limit signs, there are no stop signs, and what you do see are only suggestions. You're just kind of doing your best not to wreck your marriage. And let me tell you, that is a horrible, insecure place to live. But so many marriages that I see fall apart are because people don't understand the basic laws of relationship. And in this series, Pillar Talk, we're going to be talking about the foundational pillars or the laws that should be in your marriage that were actually given to us by God in Genesis, all right? And I am very, very excited about this series because one of the passions that God has put in Melissa and I's heart and one of the missions of this church is to build strong families. And a strong family is meant to have a strong husband and wife relationship. Now, Obviously, there are many of you that are married, and this is going to speak directly to your relationship, and I believe that this series is going to strengthen your relationship, even if it's already good. It's going to strengthen your marriage, and uh, it's going to strengthen your family, therefore. Now, some of you are here, and you're single, and you're not married yet, and there are some single parents here, and you've had some things that have happened to you in your past, maybe even out of your control, and has put you in a situation where you have to be the core of your strong family as a single parent. And I want to say this, that regardless of what has happened to you or what you have done in the past, if you have a relationship with God, Paul said very clearly, he said, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, press on toward the goal toward the goal to win the prize. And so I want to encourage you that as we go through these four pillars of a strong relationship, you may see some hindsight. And even you married couples may see some hindsight. Leave the past behind and press forward to a better future. Okay? All right. So you might, you might say, well, I, I'm single, so I can just check out for the next, next four weeks. You know, no. There are some, there's two kinds of singles. There are singles that want to get married in the future and singles that don't. So I'm going to talk to each one. Those of you that are looking to get married in the future, it's times like this when we go through relationship series and marriage series, these are times when you should lean in. You should take better notes than anybody else. You should go back and you should listen multiple times. Because watch this, everybody's looking for that right somebody. But very few are preparing to be the right somebody. Okay? That's one of the reasons why we have such a mess in our marriages in the U.S. is because um, there's almost no preparation for marriage. It's just, oh, I love you, and then we want the ringy so we can do the thingy, and then we go on from there. <laughs> so here's the thing. The thing is, is we've got a lot of wrecks in marriages because people are just figuring it out on the road. Right. And if you're smart, you won't figure out marriage on the road. You'll study ahead of time. You'll, you'll get some classroom. You'll sit, you know, behind the wheel, right? You'll sit in the classroom. You'll understand the rules. You don't understand what a steering wheel feels in, like in your hand or a gas pedal feels like at your feet in marriage. But all you understand is that you're learning the laws and you're learning the rules. And then when it's time to get behind the wheel, you're still going to make some mistakes. But hopefully you got somebody there close to you, a driving mentor that's there, maybe some parents that are helping you. You know, on the road, some of you parents freak out more than others when your child's learning to drive. But here, let this be your classroom. 
prepare yourself to be the right somebody. And then find somebody else that's preparing themselves, not just somebody who's looking to find the right somebody else. You don't want, to want, you don't want that creep, that loser. All right? You want somebody that's preparing for you. Okay? Now, for, for some of you that are singles and you have no intention of getting married in the future or getting married again, I want to tell you that, first of all, a lot of the things that you're going to learn in this series, just about relationships in general, will apply in other areas. Okay? And then, second of all, you've got friends that are in relationships, dating relationships, or even marriage relationships, and you will be able to refer them, to reach out into their lives and refer them to a lot of this information to help them. So I want to encourage you, stay engaged, lean in, okay? Now, this series is called Pillar Talk, but it's actually based upon a book that I read by Jimmy Evans called The Four Laws of Love. I don't agree with everything in this, uh, in this book, but this book is so articulate, it's so good, it's so comprehensive about the rules of a marriage that I decided I wanted to turn it into a series. It's really good. Most of what I'm going to talk about during the series is going to come from Jimmy Evans and this book, The Four Laws of Love, okay? So if this series ministers to you, I want, I want to encourage you to pick up this book. You can find it on Scribd, Amazon, you can get it in your local bookstores. It's pretty popular. It's a, it's a phenomenal book. Now, the, the premise of this book is based upon the very first marriage, and that was Adam and Eve. And so in Genesis 2, the Bible says that you've got, you, most of you have heard the story. God asked man to give names to all the animals and the birds, and as he's naming all these animals, you know, the puppies are cute and the horses are fun to ride, but the Bible says that there was no suitable helper, a mate that was found for him. So... God says it's not good for man to be alone. And so God put the man to sleep, into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, the Bible says that he took out one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. He did surgery, and God made a woman from the rib that he had taken from man. So I just want to say this, okay? Man was made out of simple dust. Women required a surgery. So from the very beginning... Women were more expensive and way more complicated, all right? So some of you guys, it's like, oh, okay, I understand now. So God brought her to the man, woke him up, and, and so there is this naked, perfect specimen of a woman, and, and Adam says, whoa, man, and so therefore she was called woman. And so it was within this context that God actually says this in Genesis 2, 24, okay? That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. And why Adam and his wife were both naked, and they both felt no shame. So this is going to be our theme verse for this series, because embedded into these two verses are the four, the four pillars that we're going to talk about of a strong marriage that God ordained from the very, very beginning. And as we unpack these, and as we kind of just pop the hood on how God created mar marriage to operate, the laws that are there, here's my prayer. My prayer is that there are marriages that go from good to great. And then there are marriages that go from falling apart to healed and whole. And also that those of us that aren't married, that we're learning who we're supposed to be to become that right somebody. Okay? Now... In verse 24 and 25, 
we find the four pillars of a great marriage relationship. Okay, So it says that God created Eve for Adam, and the, and the moment that he was finished, God said that a man would leave his father and mother. Hang on. He said, leave his father and mother. Well, they had a father, God, but they didn't have mother. They were like, what's a mother? So we know that God was not speaking to just Adam and Eve. He was actually speaking to all of creation. This was a rule for all of us. Just like he created everything in Genesis 1, he created laws by which the universe would operate, and then he created marriage, and the first thing he did was give us the four pillars or the four laws of marriage. So he's giving them an instruction manual here. And so basically, if you violate them, you're going to get hurt. If you obey them, you're going to be able to succeed every single time. You see, God... He rules the universe through laws. I don't know if you knew that or not. He's not just deciding things most of the time. He knows us through relationship, but he actually rules the universe through laws. Okay? See, laws create order. They create predictability, safety. And you have physical laws, right? We have gravity. You have physical, universal laws. You have the laws of physics, inertia, those type of things. Then you have spiritual laws. That God put into place. He rules the universe spiritually through his spiritual laws. If you give, you will. Pride comes before a. Mark eleven twenty three says, If anybody says to a mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and doesn't doubt in their heart, but believe what they say will happen. Those are all the rules. Then it will be done with them. It's a spiritual law. So God actually gave marriage laws as well. As soon as he created this union, he created four laws of marriage that we're calling the four pillars that we're going to look at. But it's important you understand that there are these laws or these rules. So we're going to start with this question. Why did God make Eve out of Adam's rib? Couldn't he have just made her out of dirt too? It's because God, there was a covenant. The word covenant means to cut. And if there was no blood, if there was no cut, there was no covenant. And a covenant simply means I am all in with you. Whatever level we have to go to, You see, when you are saying your vows, those are covenant vows. From the very beginning, you're saying, this is a sacrificial to till death do us part. This is a sacrificial, permanent relationship. It's supposed to be a covenant relationship. And so from the very beginning, God created marriage as a covenant, not a contract. In today's society, we treat it like a contract. All right, now let me tell you, let me explain the difference. A contract protects my rights and limits my responsibilities. A contract is to protect me. I'm going to marry you. I'm going to marry you as long as you take care of me, as long as you don't annoy me too much, as long as you're good to me. It's all about me. But a sacrificial covenant says I am sacrificing my rights, and I am. It states my responsibilities. You see the difference? In relationships, I'm telling you, you get what you pay for. Okay. If you want a relation, if if you don't want to have any formal commitment, you want to just kind of just shack up, you're going to get what you pay for. It's it can be over as easy as started, no problem. But if you want to make a relationship with with covenant, where you sacrifice and you're paying the price for that relationship, when two people do that and they do it, it will relate. It'll last the rest of their life. God meant marriage to be a covenant. Okay. So now, this brings us to the first covenant of relationship, all right? And that is this, that you must make your marriage priority. You 
Now, this sounds simple, and it's overly simplistic, but lean in. You have to make marriage the priority. A lot of times it's something else. It's work or it's something outside of the home. And, and so um, what we've got to do is, uh, is we have to make the marriage priority. Maybe we've made children the priority. Maybe all that attention that you used to get from your spouse is going somewhere else, and so you're, com- you're complaining, and they're, or they're complaining, and nobody's listening, and neither one are, are causing the other person to be the priority. And this is one of the universal priorities of God toward marriage, is that you leave what you had before, and you make this mother and father, and you make this the priority. And so many of you, maybe you started out that way, but it kind of ended up, as, as the years tacked on, your spouse didn't end up being the priority. And look, when your spouse complains about this, don't just push it off. When your wife is maybe complaining about your friends or your video games or your work or whatever, listen to her. Let her know. No, no, no. None of this is more important than you. When your husband maybe is complaining by, about you know, your friends or the time you're on social media or, or you're spending too much time with the children, listen Listen, there should be a time when you're together and you should be able to talk. And if there's a frustration, you vent it at a neutral time. That's a key, all right? But listen, we have to understand that our spouse is priority and they have to understand that. It has to be first. It has to be before work. It has to be before children. It has to be before church. It has to be before video games, social media, friends. Uh, It has to be priority. If marriage is in any other place, except for your relationship with Jesus, if it's in any other place other than first, it doesn't work. So God comes and he says, that's why a man leaves his father and mother. All right. Now the Hebrew word there for leave, leaves his father and mother in that scripture, it actually, it means to depart from, to leave behind, to leave or let alone. Some of us need to leave our parents alone. They're meddling in your relationship. You need to leave them alone. We have to prioritize. We have to let go of anything. Some of your previous friends are are, are in there. You got to let them go. Here's the thing. What that means is that you, look, they say blood is thicker than water, right? But spirit is thicker than than blood. And so here's the thing is that marriage is not something man created. God created it. In Genesis. And even Jesus had something to say about this. In Matthew 19, the, the Pharisees have come to try to trap Jesus once again. And they come to him to test him. And they ask, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? And Jesus replies. And he says, haven't you read that at the beginning the creator made them male and female? Okay? And then he quotes Jesus. Then he quotes our theme scripture. And he says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two. This is what God created. Okay? And this is an important point, this next thing that he says. Watch this. He says, therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. So God joins them. When two people get married... It's not the state that joins them. It's not the minister that joins them. It's God that joins them. And look, marriage is not a piece of paper that is created by the state of North Carolina or or wherever you are. It is an act of the Spirit of God. 
and a certificate from the state is great. You know, a blessing from your parents are great. But the most important part of your marriage is your spirits being connected. And the spiritual connection of a marriage is more profound than, than any kind of blood bond you have with your parents. It has to be priority. That's point number one. From the very beginning, God said, look, this is not going to work unless you, pre- or, or unless you organize your life. And nothing is going to take the place of first place except for your spouse. If, if it doesn't work that way, it's not going to work. Okay? So here's the thing. What happens when you build your marriage on the pillar of priority, here's what happens. Like when, when a young man gets down on his knees and he proposes and everybody goes, oh, that's so beautiful. What is it that's so romantic about that? It's because of what he's saying. And here's what he's saying. I choose you to be the most important priority in my life, the, the main focus in my life, with an exception of my relationship with Jesus, you are a priority. And here is the overwhelming and amazing part of this pillar of priority. It's like you saying, I choose you. I choose you as the focus of my life outside of Jesus forever. And other than that, other than Jesus, you come first. And look, we all, we all want that, right? We're built in with that. We all want somebody to choose us. And this pillar of priority, it's extremely important. I mean, even if the feeling of love has left, did you know that the feeling of in love will actually return if you follow this rule of putting this other person first? And when two people are putting each other as a priority, I'm telling you, that feeling will come back. It'll come and go depending on time or whatever, but you don't follow the feelings. Those feelings are called in love. And it's a horrible master. It's a wonderful feeling and a horrible master. You don't prioritize your feelings of in love over love. You prioritize the person that you're committed to. And and this is really important. If you do that, the feeling will come back. But if you put the feeling of in love above the person, it's always going to go sideways. Which brings us to one a huge thing in regards to priority that's tearing marriages apart. And that is people are prioritizing this feeling of in love over the person that they marry. Think about it. You see, the, per, the, the word in love is equal to infatuation. So it's the feeling that you get. It's the spark, right? Most of us know what that's like. Can't stop thinking about them. You always want to be around them. You remember you know, it's like, no, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. No, and you're using voices like this. Here's what it is. In love is infatuation marked by foolish or unreasoning fondness. I looked it up. That's what it means. So it's unreasoning fondness. And here's what we've done in American culture. We have put the idea and the feeling of in love in front of, and we prioritize that over the person that we're actually married to. So you have this situation, you know, I'm sorry, but the spark's gone. I just don't love you anymore. And what they're saying is, I just don't have that feeling I used to have. Stephanie Kuntz is an author of a great book. It's called Marriage, uh, How Love Conquered Marriage. It's a really good book. She said this, for most of history, it was inconceivable that people would choose their mates on the basis of something as fragile and irrational as love. Do you know romantic love getting married because of romantic love is only a few hundred years old? 
and the divorce rate followed. So many couples, they use this unrealistic standard, this feeling, this fleeting feeling to measure the quality of their marriage. And any married person can tell you that in love, it comes and goes over the years and hopefully comes back. But prioritizing the feeling of in love over your commitment to your spouse and your prioritizing of your spouse makes no sense whatsoever. And if you do that, you're going to have a really, really hard time. What's the media telling us? What do the movies tell you that love is about? Oh, it's all-encompassing. It's overwhelming romance. I can't live without you, which is the most selfish thing you could ever do in a relationship. I can't live without you, therefore I need you. The second that that feeling leaves and I can live without you, as soon as you're annoying and all those cute things that you did when we were in love but I was blinded, by unreasoning fondness, as soon as that goes away, once that feeling goes away, you're just annoying. The world tells us it's all fairy tales and lollipops and it's overwhelming and amazing and you're going to have that infatuated feeling of in love forevermore. Micah, you are not the romantic. I can hear couples right now. It's going, this is really depressing. Like being in love is bad. No, 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 not, not at all. Feelings are not bad. God gave us emotions. And being in love or infatuation is an amazing and wonderful emotion. And he wants us to feel this overwhelming feeling. But the reality is that overwhelming feeling of in love is just a feeling. And it's going to come and it's going to go. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, your heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. There is no cure for it. Who in the world can even understand it? And so, yes, let's base the strength of our marriage on that. Hmm. And so we have to prioritize our spouse over in love. Okay? Now, there's one other thing that battles priority, and that's this. Train your children to respect your and prioritize your marriage. Children want one thing, and that is to rule everything, to be priority over everything. They want 24-7 access to you. They want you to take care of them all day and all night. They want to walk into every conversation. They want attention, and they are precious, and they are a gift from God, but your spouse is first. Amen. This is why they're not first, is because they are a temporary assignment. They are on loan from God. God assigned them to you to raise, but then they're going to leave someday, hopefully. (laughs) And then how are they going to succeed in marriage if you have not taught them that marriage is a priority? When Melissa and I were raising Josiah, we understood that, watch this, you're going to reproduce who you are. You can teach what you know, but you will reproduce who you are in your children. We knew that he would be like us. Good or bad. Parenting is, is caught more than taught sometimes. If, you, if you're going to teach children that marriage is priority, it's like when you're in an airplane, put, your, put the mask on yourself before the child. You put your mask on your marriage before you do the child. And we need to teach children to respect the marriage. And the way that we teach it in our parenting classes, we call it couch time. I'll tell you what, a, a ton of your parental issues, your child issues, insecurity issues will go away if they just see their parents on the same page, we call it couch time. 
It's just where you spend 15 minutes a day on the couch where kids were off ground for 15 minutes where you can talk about the day and, you know, they don't have to sit and watch you, but they need to know that mom and dad are okay, that you're on the same page, that you're unified. And they can't interrupt during that, that small amount of time. We'll talk with you in a few minutes. Mom and dad are talking. And I'm telling you that that fixes a ton because you're putting your spouse in, uh, in, in priority over your marriage. I'm sorry, you're putting your marriage in priority over your spouse. And if you don't express to your spouse and your children that your spouse is first and that you're going to protect that relationship over all competition, if you don't do that, that your spouse is going to be hurt and frustrated. And they should be because that's a healthy emotion when you're supposed to be in a marriage that prioritizes you, the other person. And so the, your marriage should be prior, prioritized. Train your children to prioritize your marriage. And I want to encourage you to honor your marriage and honor God's word because he put you together. And the first thing he said is that you should prioritize your marriage. My encouragement to you is this. Honor God by honoring his word. And the first thing he ever said about marriage is that man is gonna have to reprioritize his life. He's talking about men and women, not, not just men. And so the first pillar is that pillar of priority. Put your spouse Outside of your relationship with God, put your spouse above every other thing. You have a 100% chance of success and happiness when you honor God's foundational pillars of marriage. These laws of marriage that he gave us. And the very first one is to make sure that your spouse is your priority. And then just ask yourself, I mean, think about it. Imagine what would mar our marriages be like if two people are preferring each other? What if they are putting each other as the priority over the feeling of in love, over the kids, over work, over, over other, other family, everything, other, over my own emotions? I'm telling you what would happen. You would have a 100% chance of success and happiness if we could do that. So ask yourself, what do I need to do? I'm asking myself. What do I need to do to put my spouse as a priority over my own needs, my own desires, other family, my ministry, my job, over my own emotional expectations that I have? What do I need to change? And I'm asking you to do that today. What do you need to tweak? What do you need to change? And we live in a society that's full of marriages and families that are just falling apart. What if... What if we could exemplify a strong family, strong families, and strong marriage, and that we could reach out, not because we know it all and we're, and, and we're looking down at them, but that we could be an example of what God wanted marriage to be. I believe that we can. And I think it starts with this first law, this first pillar, the pillar of priority. And so next week, we're going to pick it up with pillar two. Would you stand with me?